0: Hello and welcome to the Interim Leader podcast. I'm Ali Palmer, partner and head of the Odges Interim Consumer and Telecoms Practice. I would like to introduce you to my guest speaker today, Flavilla Fongang. Flavilla is an award-winning serial entrepreneur, an international and multilingual keynote speaker. She's the founder of Three Colors Rule and an award-winning branding and marketing agency, and she was awarded the She's Mercedes Businesswoman Award by Mercedes-Benz. Flavilla is also a recognised leader in marketing, helping numerous brands to successfully grow their business. She is the chosen brand advisor for the BBC and provides regularly actionable brand strategy advice. She is also the founder of Tech London Advocates, Black Women in Tech, the second largest organisation of the TLA Group. Flavilla, thank you for joining me this morning for another one of our podcasts. I guess lots of questions that I have for you. And when we first met, you spoke to me about your journey, about leaving France and your family and moving away to the UK. You're now a female Black leader working in technology. Can you share your journey with our audience and the challenges that you've faced along the way?
1: Yes, happy to do that. And thank you so much, Ali, for having me. And uh... You know, it's, it's crazy because quite often we don't take the time to look back on <laughs> what the crazy journey we've had to, had to go through to be where we are right now. And yes, yeah, so my journey started when I moved to London in 2002. I was a student at the time and I was learning uh, economics and law and marketing and communication and international business. And I left university with loads of qualifications, but no experience. I was pretty much useless on paper. And um, you know it's interesting. You know we don't, you know we don't think enough of the importance of experience rather than just having great qualifications. And uh, you know looking for all sorts of jobs from door to door sales to you know working on a you know sales floor. And um, I find myself working in oil and gas. And that's really when my experience within you know my international experience working you know different culture across the world really opened and changed. So I worked in oil and gas. I worked, you know, I'll probably travel to places that I would have never paid to go to. Oh,
0: that's nice. Yes. <laughs> it's just,
1: you know, I would say it's such a Saudi, but I enjoyed it so much. So it's, things that's, you know, that you don't think about as a destination, but I actually enjoyed it. Or, oh, you know, places in Asia, places in Africa, I've been to, you know, around the world and really enjoyed it. And by nature, you know, I've realized the importance of diversity. So for me... People were mixing from different backgrounds, were learning a lot from each other and fusion and a lot of interesting ideas were born just out of conversation around food and, and I love that. And um, and for me, so before finding myself within a tech space, I also work in fashion and luxury and so forth. So I worked as a consultant, um, you know, branding consultant before starting my agency and listening to you know advice of as I quite often say, you know, what they have great hairdressers with bad hair. So not listening to our own advice. <laughs> it means that we looked at everybody else, but we didn't look after ourselves. So, and, um, you know, we didn't pick a niche and we chose technology. It's funny because, you know, people say to me, why did you choose technology? And I remember I was on Twitter and I was uh, watching a small clip from BBC about this little girl, little black girl in the village who created this technology that helped kids, you know, who would travel miles and miles and miles to go to school and quite often would get lost. And she created this little technology that allowed them to be found, but also find their way back home, which was amazing. And I thought, wow, how come someone so tiny finds such a great idea that will help so many people? And I think technology was a way that I thought was great to make a scalable impact and work with amazing people who have great ideas, watch game changers out there who, who want to do things differently. And, you know, choosing technology as a center of focus, as an agency, gave us a bit more clarity in terms of what was going on within the industry from a diversity point of view, because, you know, I'm very pro-woman, I'm very poor diversity and so forth. I'm always a pro-black woman as well. And really that led me to realize that, and I always say that to my clients, you know, you can't just be good at what you do. You need to think about your, you know, your corporate social responsibility, what are you doing out there beyond just, you know, making profit. And for us, it was very much, you know, look in terms of from a diversity point of view, because I've always been in a room where I was either the only woman, or I was it either, either the only black woman, one or the other. And then, you know, and what was interesting is that men themselves were complaining. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> where are the, <laughs> why are the other women? You can hear them, love them, what I like. So I realized that I was not the only one complaining about it. It was not just me. It was also men who wanted to see difference and, some, and they found themselves a bit clueless in terms of how to solve this issue. And really, I, you know, I, I keep just talking about the time when I met you know, Russia, the founder of Tech London Advocates, and he was telling about how, you know, we're going to have a shortage of, of digital talent. because with the COVID, yes. <laughs> fast-forwarded this furthermore, and now every company is aggressively looking for talent, but, you know, where are they if we haven't trained them, we haven't, you know, given through, put them through the pipeline, We're always going to have a shortage. We're always going to have a shortage of of talented black women or women in technology if we don't nurture them to have an interest in technology and and get them to understand the importance they play in the tech space. So, yes, so my, my journey was interesting because I probably, you know, didn't realize that, you know, coming from France to the UK, you know, I was my own limitation. Sometimes, you know, our own mindset, we set our own limits. And from that point, you know, I realized that anything that I I wanted to put my mind into it, I would go for it. But again, sometimes, you know, I had allies, but I also had people who didn't, you know, who wanted to put me into a box, you know, say that, oh, you go into a room and you sit down, you know, board meetings with other directors. And they probably think that you are the, you know, the coffee maker. You're not the one actually who's going to be part of their group. And you have to deal with people who underestimate you. And that's why I have to deal with this with often. And you know, and I like that actually. I play around with it. So better, you know, I can surprise them. Mm. Yeah, so a lot of you know, a lot of challenges that I embrace. I think I think probably that's the crazy inside me. The harder it is, the more I enjoy it. If it's too easy, then I probably won't go for it. And I am I'm always prepared to being <laughs> As people would say dating ghosted wow. i'm always afraid people just ignore me and that's part of the game you know and people will say no to me but again the, the more no's i get the closer i get to get get a yes if you're silent i haven't you know i haven't got you your attention enough yes and that's some of the things that i've you know i've learned about you know dealing with rejection and and i think a lot of time you know i say that, that often to women is that you know the more you get no's the, you know that should build your resilience that you're doing something that gets attention and you're going to get, you just need to get one yes. You might get a thousand no's and that's okay, but you just need to get one yes and that's enough. Believe in your idea and and take it on that journey with you and that will change everything. And that's one thing that I've learned, that you have to keep on going even if all the odds are against you.
0: Thank you for those insights. And you know, there's certainly been a lot going on in the world over the last year, a year and a half really. Do you think... That, that has changed your perspective of your own leadership and the relationship that you now have with your team.
1: Mm, that's a very good question. It, it's funny because I've been interviewed in, in many times before. I mean, in terms of our lives or our culture, company culture, before COVID, and <laughs> we think about thinking like nothing has changed because we were already hybrids. I think is that we've—I've always been someone who reject any norms that didn't make sense to me. So for me, you know, we. You know, having to come to the office every day just because I have to come to the office every day which didn't make sense to me. And and people, I would give people like you can have a pillow day, or you can have this, and you know, if you want to come, you know, working, you know, from your bedroom it doesn't matter to me. For me, and what I'm focusing on is, are you happy working with us, and are you doing the work the way we su- we supposed to do it? That's the only thing that mattered. So if I was, you know, people were the more eclectic, they will be the more I was attracted to that. So that's really just was something that was very, very important for me. And it was not a fact that I evaluated people based on their outputs, but more in terms of the input. Because somebody can be sitting behind a computer for hours and just be on Facebook. It doesn't mean that because they're next to you, they're doing some great work. Mm. But if you share people in terms of, you know, you give them trust. And I think that, you know, mistakes or, you know, it's it's like, you know, I always compare business with personal relationship. If you don't trust someone at some point, they will cheat on you. If you give them trust and say, you know, I'll give you responsibility and is say, like, wow, this person trusts me, I don't want to disappoint them. And they're more likely to do their best to not disappoint you. And I think that's one thing that always allowed them as well to make mistakes and allow them to be able to take ownership of their job. So therefore, we didn't need the proximity. And that's, that has never changed you know it usually becomes you know a bit complex when you work on different time zones but we've learned from that as well in terms of how we have to you know be a better planner or sometimes how to do things but you know it's something that we were always hybrid and and that's because it was you know obviously because of the nature of my my job I'm on the move and so forth. Yeah, so nothing has changed I know from my point our point of view we probably use the office lesson before. But except from that, you know, our culture was not based on how much food people get access to. Or, and so it was more in terms of how we t- treated each other. And that's super important.
0: I think that's very true. And I think the last 18 months has taught us an awful lot. And, and you know, the world, the world is, is a different place. And we have to react to that. Flavilla, I've asked this question before to people. but I'd like to ask you the same question. With everything that you've said so far, I know there are many talented people who aspire to achieve what you have achieved. But who really inspired you to reach for the top? It's funny because I don't, I don't
1: necessarily look at the top to get to the top. It sounds really weird to say that. So for me, that I'm more driven by, when I look at my journey in terms of what I've done, one of my biggest inspirations, is. Oh, I always say it's my mother because she came from nothing. She had five children and she raised us to be very strong and independent woman. And and son so and uh, we did really well. But in terms of when I look at at people doing great things, that are, I kind of pinch different elements from different individuals and where they are. And if they can do it, so can I. I think that's always been my my um, my approach to, to life is that nothing is stopping me. And that if this person, you know, if I I think this is why as why well, I think about representation is so important because we are all set our limits because we compare ourselves all the time, whether we like it or not. We always do it. And I stopped doing that. I stopped comparing my life to somebody else in terms of their achievement. My journey is different. I don't know what they had to go to be where they are right now. But one thing that really inspired me to go to the top is very much in terms of the impact that I want to create, you know, for other individuals. So I pinch, you know, I pinch my desire to be great at what I do by my desire to actually look at the impact that I can make on a larger scale. And for me, you know, as you know, I'm, you know, I'm I'm putting a book together about the journeys of fantastic black women technology and the idea that it's going to get into the hands of hundreds and thousands of kids right now it's amazing you know and we're probably not going to be able to see the the impact right away but in 10 years 20 years i want to be able to hear that some kids say i read this book 20 years and this is why i am here right now and that's fantastic
0: well i'll certainly look forward to a signed copy of the book and i shall give it to uh, particularly to my girls to read and hope that it will inspire them as, mm. as, as well. And look, no journey is ever smooth sailing. Can you share with us some of the more challenging issues you have faced and how you've managed to overcome them? And and kind of the second part of that is how do you personally deal with setbacks and motivate yourself to move on? And I think you don't see yourself as being inspirational, but I think to many people you are. Uh, and the journey that you've you've been through and i think when we very first met you know you really shared your story and we were really open and i have to say i was inspired by that
1: <laughs> thank you you know it's true like we don't often see we just as entrepreneurs we always go for the next thing what's next? what's next what's next what's next we don't have time it's like okay if i accomplish that i do something else and obviously people see only the success but they don't see all the things that do go wrong and trust me we do a lot of things that go wrong and and I've taken I've always taken this approach is that when things don't go as I expect them to go, is that what am I supposed to learn from this journey? And it's always I'm either, I'm either winning or I'm either learning one or the other. I'm never losing. So I'm supposed to learn something. What am I supposed to learn from the situation? Whether it is managing a client that didn't go well at the beginning, so what are we going to do to make sure that this situation doesn't happen again? But for me is like when something doesn't go wrong, it, <laughs> probably the first thing that I do, I'm not a drinker, but I'm definitely an eater. <laughs> I just probably just, uh, you know, I have to stop doing that. But yes, a little bit of chocolate does help. Whatever gives you like instant satisfaction.
0: <laughs> I remember bit. that one. I, I like chocolate too, so that's
1: <laughs> a good one. <laughs> <laughs> take a bit of chocolate. And then, you know, first, the, the second thing I, uh, I tell myself is that, I, you know, that's the thing that I practice on a daily, on a regular basis, daily basis, gratitudes. So I tend to look in terms of what I've accomplished rather than not just on all the things that I haven't accomplished. So I focus on the positive rather the negative, which is super important. But yeah, when something doesn't go go well, and like God knows I have so many examples that um, exactly that is, that take a back, you know, step back a little bit, detach yourself, and don't take it personal. And I always say that to my team is that when something you don't do well, perform well on the task that I'm asking you to do, it's not you don't take it personal. It's something that you have, you know, something attached to you, to to the task. It doesn't mean that defines you on everything that you are. And that's something that I've learned, you know, and I by nature put myself in an uncomfortable situation and I embrace it and I want to feel uncomfortable. I think that against me, I'm a crazy person. I do love a challenge when it's difficult. That's why I go for it. But, um, and I I think part of me is ready to accept that I will not be successful at everything. And that's okay with it. I'm okay with it. And I move on to the next thing. And, uh, you know, as I say, you know, I've, <laughs> I've done a lot of things, you know, recently as well now that, I'm like, oh my gosh, it didn't work. What am I supposed to learn from it? Like, I will never do that again. That's one thing for sure. And then what am I supposed to do next time? I should have done it this way. And that's the thing. You know, that just move on. You're either learning or you're either winning. One or the other. And so yes, yeah, so I don't I don't take these things personally. I just move on to the next thing, and and yes, and embrace it. I don't think I responded to the question, but yes, that's what I would say.
0: I think that's an as a good piece of advice uh, is to not take things too personally. And I think perhaps perhaps it's a fault of women as well who try yeah. and kind of overachieve. Um, and maybe that may be stereotypical, but I think that might be um, something that we should all all think about. And sort of based on everything that you have said. So when you're working with your team and you're trying to accomplish change in your team, how do you, how do you go about it and how, how do you take them on that journey with you? Because you're so passionate, how, how do you try and get them to believe in what you really believe in? Yes, this is what most people, leadership and
1: management is very different. And I think that's where a lot of people have not probably haven't really been taught well about leadership. And, you know, when you think about leadership it's about selling the vision. What exactly you trying to achieve? A lot of people will tell you the task. Okay, so every day you need to do this, you need to do, you need to create five logos, you need to win five hours. I'm just giving you random examples. But they don't understand why part of the, why are they so crucial in part of that entire project. So anything that we do, I, I will share with them the vision of the client that we're working with. I will share with them if it's our own personal journey, what we're trying to achieve, how they can understand that they play a bigger part within, you know, within this bigger piece, this certain piece. And I think that's very important. That's why, you know, first of all, we are very careful in terms of who we choose to work with. We don't work with everybody. I think that's a beautiful place to be for any company to have the church to say, no, I'm sorry, I don't think I believe, we believe in your ideas or we can help you. That's the place. We only work for companies that we believe in. They're trying to achieve something great. And then from that point, when I bring my team on a project, I share with them, you know, the vision of that company and say like, this is what they're trying to achieve. Yes. What it means for for them. And this is what we, we, you know, whether you're doing a logo, that's how this logo is going to impact and so forth. Then from that, you know, you can break down. Where most people start with, you know, the to-do tasks, this is do task one, two, three, four, and then they never understand the bigger picture. But for me, I share the overall picture first. Then I can understand that, you play a big part, whatever you are, my executive assistant, whether you are, my graphic designer, whether you're my marketer, each of you are part of the bigger picture. So if one of us, is a bit like a puzzle, if one of us don't do what we're supposed to do, it affects everybody else. And therefore, they also know that they can count on one another. If someone is away or is on holiday, we can take over each other's job and so forth. So we are also reliable and we also rely on each other. And that's very important. And that's one thing that's, what's what's important is that they see me, I share as well with with them part of my own struggle, (laughs) (laughs) my own challenge, my, my duties and what I'm doing. And I'm being completely transparent. And I also want them to be the same way in terms of, Oh, I need help with this. And I want them to be like, I mess it up. Okay, cool. So how are we going to fix it? And me, by me being such in such a way and so transparent i allow them to be the same and say that, you know, I'm not going to hire you when I make, do something wrong. I will say, share it or ask for help. And I think like people don't know how to ask for help. So I say, like, well, I don't know. What do you think about that? And people are like, well, yeah, she asking me. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'm asking you because we are part of a team and I don't have all the answers. And I think that's what's beautiful about this, that they know that they feel that they are a valuable part of that team, no matter what they do.
0: I think that's really important to say, like you exactly as you say, no matter what they do, it's teamwork, isn't it? And that brings people uh, along um, the journey as well. So if you were to look back at all the great lessons you've learned throughout your career, and I'm sure you've, there are many that you have learned you know, moving from France to the UK, etc. But what advice would you give to your 20 year old self or even to kind of young aspiring leaders today? Yes,
1: let me say to my 20 year <20-year-old> self: Invest <laughs> sooner. <laughs> yeah. But never mind. I've still started. I would, I would say definitely. Um, don't be afraid. I think as, to be honest, I've always done that. So don't be afraid to ask even more than you know. You think that ask for what you want. You know, it's, it's you know, there's a power of 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 knowing what you want and giving getting some giving yourself some clarity. From one, what you know, what you want, it helps. But also voice it out. So if you want. People who are working, I don't work for anybody now, but if I was working for another company, I would say, this is what I want to get. And make sure that people who are out there are your advocates who can talk about you when you're not in a room. And I think it's so important to have a network and build a great relationship. But the sooner the better you do that. And I think that's one thing that I've learned you know, from my white mentors, white men mentors. They are great networkers. They know loads of people. So when they need help, when they need a million pounds, they can get this you know, in a week because they know who to ask. And, you know, being successful, be great at what you do is not sufficient. You need to have a good network. People can inspire you. And and something that, you know, when I started my agency, I never worked for another agency. But then, you know, it was good to join other agency network and so forth to learn about them and so forth. So, yes, a big part of, you know, having a great network. You know, if you can find a mentor that really helps people in your field or where you want to be, they can, you know, share with you how they've achieved that journey. Yes, and not be afraid to just you know ask for what you want and set you set some goals and walk towards them and don't let you know you know don't don't get frustrated with time. I think a lot of people are impatient in general and don't realize that things that you may have put on paper might need ten years of continuous you know resilience. And something may achieve in a, in a month, but that in that work that you know you envision in your mind in terms of where you want to be. Here. When I talk to people, it's like you know, first time when I was on stage in front of five thousand people, I've envisioned this. I could see this in my head; it was already there. And every day was part of the vision. And mm-hmm. when I got to that stage, it was just like aha, uh-huh. you know, it finally happened. And a lot of people I don't have clarity in terms of where they want to go, and I think starting with clarity, clarity helps you make sure that everything that you do is aligned with that and then you can say no to anything that is not relevant to you and say yes, that aligns with where you want to go, you know, and so forth. That's one thing that I would say to a 20-year-old is that, you know, 20-year-old probably don't know where they want to be out there, but don't be afraid to just stay curious.
0: And, And I'm assuming when you were 20, you didn't have a mentor. Do you think it's important for people at that age to have a mentor or do you think that's too young to start?
1: Yeah, I think it's very important to have a mentor because I think, you know, for example, if, if I think by my background, I I didn't grow up in a family where we were necessarily financially or investment, I lit- have a strong financial investment literacy. So therefore, you know, if you think about, you know, somebody else where their parents are entrepreneurs or they invest money, they understand straight away about, about money and so forth. And, you know, and that's what happens often. People come from poor background, don't understand about that. So they have. They have a bad relationship with money or they don't understand exactly, you know, the power of building a network. And, you know, and having, you know, looking outside your own circle helps you learn new things. Again, something coming to England changed my perspective in terms of where I wanted to be. Because, you know, I my, my mom was a secretary secretary, and, and, you know, she, you know, I was not born in a family, a Nigerian family where they asked me to be an engineer or doctor whatsoever. Yes. You know, what she wanted to me to have is just have good grades and make sure that I do something that makes me happy. But we never really talked about money. And that's not only that money is all important, but it's an important part of being able to have, you know, the freedom that you want and being able to choose what you want to do. So, so key. So we think, you know, we take for granted some, um, knowledge that we have access to and, and, and what others don't have. And so I love, for example, working with clients who say that I want to increase, you know, financial liter- literacy across poor um, people, family poor background, which parents have no idea about how to improve their credit score because they just work nine to five. they don't have time to talk about that and so forth, which is super key.
0: Just changing the topic slightly, Flavilla, you know, yeah. you're a very passionate speaker, uh, especially around diversity and inclusion. But what do you think that businesses can do today to ensure that diversity and inclusion is not just a box ticking exercise, but mm. that it becomes a reality at all levels?
1: Mm, I think, yeah, it's a good question. I think when you, it's funny because um, people talk a lot for, often about diversity, but they don't talk a lot about inclusion. You know, and everybody wants now, you know, George Floyd and everything that happened, everybody at that point wanted to recruit a you know, black person. Yes. What are you doing when you're recruiting them to, you know, wanting them to stay? And I think that's one thing. That's where cultural differences play a big part. Is that we have to get to think. Is this one of them? One of my mottos that people have to be comfortable being uncomfortable is having a conversation about you know uh, your privilege. or having having conversation about unconscious bias, uh, conscious biases as well, and all sorts of things that we all have to learn on both sides. So yes, so if you are serious about you know diversity, it's not just recruit and hope for the best for a person to fit. Within your company and not make an effort to understand them is what are you doing to make sure that pe- for example, people at the top who've been in the same position for or, or in the position for a long time? You know, are you opening doors to allow diversity? whatever it is just women, whatever it is people with disability, whether it's with people with LGBTQ community and so forth, it could be a lot of things. That, how are you doing to understand this community? Are you curious? Again, something to come back to are you curious, understand that? and it's, it's interesting i was speak, speaking to a law firm and say and um, they recruited a, a young black uh, lawyer i said i'm not going to stay because i see no one who looks like me at the top so the chances of for me of seeing my progression happening is pretty much none and you know something if you really want to bring the change who is at the top if it's always the same people at the top people talk about diversity but it's always you know the you know the young ones or how many senior leaders do you have from the BAME community how many senior leaders do you have from the lgbtq community. If you don't have that, how do you expect people to think that they, they can be part of that um of that company, you know, of that company? And I think that's where a lot of things need to be done in terms of it, it needs to start from the top. If the top don't embrace change, then it's never going to happen from, you know, you know, going down, you know, and so forth. And that's what's so important. So what needs to be done out there to, and I think people have this misconception that diversity diversity it's an act of good deed. It's not, it's a commercial, extremely commercial aspect. So if you actually want to be able to understand how to sell to different community, you need to be able to have a diverse, um, diverse team force. Like if tomorrow somebody wants to sell, you know, to Gen Z and you have, everybody's in there, you know, baby boomers, they know nothing about TikTok or anything like that.
0: Yes. Yes. I I think you're right. And a lot of the clients that we work with um, are, you know, advocates of or diversity and inclusion, but in all its in all its forms, exactly as you said, and it's, it's so important going forward. How do you see your experiences as a Black female leader helping others today? And some of it you've already touched upon, but what is it that you really sort of see yourself as doing that can help others who may have been in the same situation as you and are trying to get up that ladder?
1: Mm. I think I'm in a good position where I think because I run a branding agency, I know how to raise my personal brand. So I'm using the the attention around me to bring more attention towards, you know, community of black women who, you know, it's it's interesting that when you've, you know, quite often you've, you've heard no so many times you stop trying. And that's what happens a lot for women or just, you know, black women and so forth. So I want them to try again. I want them to understand their power. And I think a lot of them don't understand their power and they don't understand as well the power it can play in terms of raising their own personal profile. And that's the reason why, you know, we talk about the book again, it's, it's important to just, the book is amazing. I mean, the stories are great. And um, it's important that people don't, don't understand, you know, what can be done out there. It's just just, um, you know, I came to this country and my mindset changed because I saw more people who look like me seem to be in a better position than I was when I was in Paris. Just that, you know, and what impacts he made and who I am right now was because of my beliefs have changed. So if I can elevate that just with, you know, with what I have done, I mean, me on my own, I can't I can't inspire everybody. So if I can multiply that, having more of them, you know, you know, raise their profile and be more out there, be more visible, how much change can can we bring to you know, not just to them, to the community, but also for technology companies out there being better at you know at understanding it but also understanding the opportunities that quite often have not been tapped into the you know certain communities because they don't understand it so yes. that's something that i won't be able to change and that's so important that i use um, the attention around me to bring it i wouldn't compare myself to diana <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that's what she did, you know, she instilled the attention she was around them and she used it for, you know, you know great quotes. And I love that. That's, again, that's another strategy I love. It's like, she's using attention around her to just bring attention to in social impact. So if I could do the same thing, that's what I would do.
0: Okay, well, we'll watch out for you um, um, on the stage next time. <laughs> Flavilla, thank you so much. You know, you've inspired us again today and I've heard you speak before and you've spoken to um, a group of senior women on a on a business breakfast for me you know you've shared a lot with us today uh, but if there's one thing you could say to aspiring female leaders just to leave with one thought who are it's going to be inspired by your success story either because they've heard you before or they're listening to this you know, what what would it be Mm.
1: I will leave this question, because that's a question I ask often on my own podcast called Tech Talk, and I usually leave my guests like, huh? They have no idea. I would say that, ask yourself, what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? If, to, you know, if, if people had to remember you, how do you want to be remembered? That's the question I would like to ask, you know, ask the audience to think about, like, how would you like to, remember to be remembered? And it helps you think in terms of what you want to leave behind. If, you know, if it is something for within your own personal network, if it's something that you want to do within the industry, if you want to do something within your specific role, think about yourself, like, how do you want to be remembered? What kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? That will make you think in terms of we have one life, so make the best of it.
0: Uh, I think uh, I think that's really, really important. And that's very well said. So finally, why don't we have a little plug at your book again? So if you could just remind us um, the name of your book and when it's coming out. Because uh, I said yes. I'm going to be there to buy a copy.
1: Cool. So the Voices in the Shadow is, um, we are crowdfunding right now. And so we can join us on Kickstarter. If you want to get a pre-order your book, it's available right now. Uh, so on Kickstarter until the, we have about 29 days left. And then after that, it will be available as well uh, to pre-order. So every time someone will pre-order, we order a book, we'll also go to a school. So uh, okay. we are distributing printed cop- copies sorry, to schools, to friendly schools across the UK. And, and then after that, when we finish the big launch, people can order the book. And every time someone orders a book, they can choose to give it to a book of a of of choice as well. on the Vogue Black Women in Tech website. You can visit that. Or, yeah, if you you type TLA Black Women in Tech, you can find
0: us very easy. Perfect. Well, I shall look forward to uh, reading that and I shall then look forward to uh, a signed copy of meeting you again. Flavilla, thank you. My pleasure. Don't forget to like and subscribe for more episodes of our Women in Leadership series.